You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. OTAs is back this week. Quarterback competition. I don't know. There's a lot of other players on the roster that I do know I want to talk about. You guys will hear all things 49ers, whether it's quarterback, other position players you guys want to talk about. We will do that right after this. Welcome back, Clutching Sports. This is my host, my co-host, Rohan. How's it going, Rohan? Hey, man. Doing good. It's been a minute, but OTAs is back. Football's back. And, I mean, whenever football's back, it's it's uh, it's a nice breath of fresh air, man. Man, it feels good to be back on back on the show, man. I actually talk football. A lot of things with personal life been going a little crazy and stuff like that. Families uh, being a little sick and stuff. So, stepped away for a little while, but now we're back. Um, things are moving forward. Um, Rohan. Um, a lot to talk about, right? Second day of o- OTAs in, in the sense of media being present. Um, a lot of things are going on. A lot of conversations are going on on Twitter. Um, a lot of different things, man. Um, let's get straight to it. We're going to talk real quick about the quarterback situation, um, the competition that's going on or, or that there might be. And then I want to get into other players, man. There's a lot of other players on this roster that we should be talking about during OTAs and training camp. And I feel like they just be getting overshadowed by the quarterback situation. To me, it's unfair um, for the roster, um, unfair for other players, um, especially young rookies and young second-year players. So let's get right into it, Rohan. OTAs happens yesterday. Um, Trey Lance goes, I believe, 6 or 12 um, with three dropped passes that um, that I've heard. Uh, Sam Darnold went, I believe, 10 for 13 with a drop or two. Then we hear the news Brock Purdy is doing well, started his throwing session yesterday, or on Monday, took Tuesday off, resumed on Wednesday. We saw we saw that, right? Talk to me about 
let's go Sam Darnold and Trey Lance before we go Brock Purdy because I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, so let's go Sam Darnold and, and Trey Lance, the quarterbacks that are actually on the practice field during OTAs. Right. And I mean, well, the first thing is to me, it's going just as just as just stated, really, right? When we came in, both you and me said this entire offseason, Trey Lance was going to be QB1 coming into the offseason if as long as he was healthy going in. Week one, he's the starting quarterback in OTAs. Now, Kyle Shanahan said they want to give an even split, which makes sense. I know a lot of people have argued against it. To me, I believe Trey Lance needs to win in a competition because, uh, as as much of a guy uh, that I as much as I believe in his potential since the day he got drafted, to me, I believe he has to win in a competition to prove that he still belongs on this roster. It's unfortunate the way his situation has gone. Really unfortunate with the injuries that uh, uh, that have really compiled over the course of his career, but. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine for him to split ones and twos in OTAs specifically because this is not the entirety of the team that's out there. It's not, you know, it's not 11 on 11. uh, or I mean, there are 11 on 11 sessions. It's not fully always padded. You know, I think this is the best time to really get this competition out. And so you see this 50-50 split in a way uh, with the first team reps that Kyle Shanahan talked about last week. Not too surprised by it, but – I think it's going to be uh, an intriguing battle the way uh, that it goes. And the one thing that I I think that might matter more this year than most is how quickly can you develop? It it might not be uh, – the finished product doesn't necessarily matter, but how quickly can you develop uh, with Darnold, meaning how quickly can you get a grasp of the playbook and start to perform in the way that Shanahan wants? And in Trey Lance, how quickly can you start reaching that potential, which is the main reason that you were selected number three overall? Yeah, like when you, when you're looking at what they're doing, Sam Darnold's coming in. Um, doesn't sound like he's really pushing the ball downfield, but also Trey Lance isn't either. And it's gonna be a weird competition if all the quarterbacks aren't really pushing the ball downfield because they want their stats to look good in training camp or OTAs, right? Like to me, that's the biggest concern. Is like you could be ten for thirteen or nine for twelve all you want but if it's constant check down after check down after check down what are we really looking at like realistically what are we looking at because if we're having a quarterback competition and they're not really pushing the ball downfield and it's more so check downs we're not really seeing the offense and what the offense is capable of with each quarterback so for me when I, I saw Sam Darnold's stats I saw Trey Lance's stats I really don't care about stats I really don't like it's cool to see the numbers, like how many passes they, they attempted, how many passes they completed, drop passes. To me, it does nothing. It really doesn't because reality is is we won't really see what either quarterback is until we see a move-the-ball period in training camp or eleven on full 11-on-11 11 where they're actually thudding up and the pass rush is actually getting after it. And you could actually see that would have been a sack. That would have been an interception. You know what I mean? Like Because some of these plays – there's no pass rush. No. They can't. I believe they can't touch each other yet in in OTAs. There's also no there's, Bosa. Exactly, no Bosa. There's no um, Debo. You don't. There's like a lot of no Trent right. Williams. So when you look at it realistically, is the offense there? No. I think to me, the real competition right now is is more so Trey Lance within himself. And what I mean by that is. Can Trey show the 49ers, and then I mean by the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, that he's actually gotten better working with the quarterback coach 
uh, Christensen and, and um, Patrick Mahomes. Has that improved him enough where it's like, hey, we might need to actually turn this into a real quarterback competition? Because from what it became, right, it was, well, Trey Lance is going to get traded. Trey Lance is going to get traded. Brock's the guy. Brock's the, Oh, Sam Donald's ahead of him. To John Lynch recently saying it's a quarterback competition. Full blown. That's the first time I've heard where, it's, where John Lynch sounded convinced that it was a quarterback competition. All the other times, like, well, competition is always good. He's never said comp- a quarterback competition. He's always said competition is good. Never said this is a quarterback competition. We've heard it from, from Kyle. Now we've heard it from John Lynch. Right. Great. They could continue this competition into training camp. I don't know if you want to continue talking about it, but I kind of want to get to some other players. Let's do that. We're here Let's for beyond OTAs, right? OTAs and beyond. I mean, we got to give everybody else some love. It's been a lot of quarterback talk, and if we're being honest – there's not too much we can take away at the moment, right? I mean, sure, we can talk about Brock a little bit with that throwing session, uh, the one throwing session that has people amazed or whatever, but not too, too much to dive into it. But there's a lot of other storylines that are starting to build up with the 49ers that aren't necessarily being talked about as much. No, absolutely. So B.A., right? Like the literally the thumbnail is B.A. where he's like, I'm, I'm going to take off. I'm about to take off. Like. I've never – I, I don't want to go to B.A. right away, but I want to talk about a player. And the reason why I brought up B.A. is I want to talk about a player Brandon Ayuk mentioned in his press conference yesterday. Talks about uh, Jair um, – oh, my God. Drawing a blank. Jair Brown? Yeah, Jair Brown. Um, I was going to say Jair Bowman because I'm thinking I've been recently doing like a little – linebacker study where I've been watching Navarro Bowman, Patrick Patrick Willis, and stuff like that. Yes, Jair Brown, right? Three to four interceptions in the last couple of practices that the media hasn't been able to see. That's not being talked about. Like, to me, we just drafted a rookie in the third round. Brandon Ayuk says this guy has three to four interceptions in the last couple of practices. He's been everywhere around the ball. And then they ask him, and I, I thought this was a weird question. I don't know who asked it. I thought it was weird. Well, uh, is he, um, like, intercepting passes because it's film study, tip ball? Doesn't matter. I love Brandon Ayuk's answer. It doesn't matter. He's getting his hands on the ball. Like, good. And I said this the first day I saw Tano Hufanga in training camp, the first time I ever saw him. I wrote an article on him. I wish I could go find it. When I was writing for 49ers Goldmine with Javi Vega, I said, this young man is around the football so often, he is going to be a really, really good player in the NFL. Good players are around the football. If Jair Brown is around the football that often, I don't care how he's getting his hands on the football. He's getting he's getting turnovers. He's getting turnovers. And that, to me, Rohan, is, is awesome to see because we, you and I both were high on, on Jair Brown when we drafted him. What does this tell you about Jair Brown and, and – should we have expectations for him going into training camp? Hey, dog ready to play. That's what I got to say. What what these rookies, what I said yesterday, I'm looking, how quickly can they acclimate to the NFL environment? The 49ers, they had a, uh, they, their first pick was number 87 in Jair Brown in the third round, right? It's not, it's not that long, or it, it was a pretty long wait for them. And so in the third round, you're not expecting, especially with a team as talented as San Francisco's, you're not expecting to get – uh, frontline starters for the 49ers or something like that. 
And so you want to see who can quickly become rotational pieces because the 49ers have often drafted in recent years for a year ahead, right? You talk about Aaron Banks, Kufanga mm-hmm. himself, and several other pieces. It's been for a year ahead. Jair Brown, though, is right now showcasing, you can't keep me off the field right now. You can't keep me off the field because what do the 49ers need? They need playmaking. And the main difference last year, last year we've talked about the defensive line. Defensive line, in my opinion, took a step back last year from the elite years of 19 and 21. But why did the 49ers defense have as good or even better numbers in terms of statistics? Well, their pass defense was elite. In addition, they created turnovers. That was the hugest, the biggest difference from oh, yeah. the past. Created turnovers, and that was, you know, you you add Traverius Ward, you add you add Talano Hufunga as a frontline starter rather than the combination of Chakwaski Tart and Jimmy Ward, and you start on the defense. And that's a huge thing for the 49ers, especially interceptions, right? In 2021, it was a lot of fumbles because of Josh Norman, but not interceptions. Now you're getting interceptions, and I understand. Interceptions, sometimes it's just right place, right time. But when you have the frequency of the interceptions, it's clearly because you have, you're have you adding an influx of playmakers in that secondary. Jair Brown only furthers adds to that. And the one thing I'm expecting, I think Steve Wilkes is going to be more aggressive. When you have a more aggressive play caller, you're going to need more surefire playmakers in the secondary to be able to capitalize on the mistakes of opposing offenses. So to me, this is a good sign for the 49ers. That's all That's all it can be. It's a good sign for the 49ers because they have shown that they can operate well out of three safety sets. Talano Hufanga might be more comfortable in the box and might return to that, you know, week one to week eight, week 10, uh, where he was really an all pro, uh, a, a pro bowl level player. And he could be a little more comfortable in that role. Brown can be versatile. And I'm not looking at 40 times. I'm not looking at those statistics. And so to me, Really, I think that they can fit well on the field. The biggest question is who can operate out of the big nickel because that was Jimmy Ward in the past with his unique build and also a ability to hit with his athleticism and things. Gibson played in that role at times last year. I'd expect him to see a couple of snaps there as well. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping the 49ers can see some three safety sets, especially because Aziz Shire also departed. And while you do have an influx of talent coming in at linebacker to compete, you could use – one of those safeties is a sub linebacker as well. Well, when you when you look at Isaiah Oliver, right? He saw safety reps, man, when he was in Atlanta, right? Like I I went back and it wasn't like a lot of them, but he was seeing some safety reps. Um, he was working with I want to say he was a second team uh, safety in Atlanta. Like he was working with that that unit. Um, he was getting reps, so that could be a potential big, big nickel kind of guy that they look for. Big the the, the Jimmy Ward role, right? Um, but exactly what you said about Jair Brown, man, it's you can't keep players that are that are good off the field. And as much as you and I both thought Gibson had a good year, um, I said it in the offseason is is. I would go after a safety. I name dropped a couple of safeties there in the offseason. Joni you mean, Love you mean in free agency? Yeah, free agency. Sorry, free agency. Sorry. And for me, what I'm looking at is like, can Gibson put up those same numbers? I don't think so. I realistically, I don't think so. Now, what I mean by that is, it was a a year. It was an outlier year for him in the in the sense of 
he didn't have that much. He didn't have that kind of production throughout his career consistently, right? So now Jair Brown, if he's doing this as a rookie in OTAs, he's going to go away OTAs. He's going to get better. He's going to understand the system a little bit better. Come back, training camp. Probably going to be better. So if he's getting his hands on the ball now, I'm sure he's going to do the same thing. And this is the same thing. I don't know if you remember, but Samuel Womack, his rookie year, OTAs last year, doing the same thing, getting his hands on footballs. Started, doing, started seeing it in, in, in preseason and, and jo uh, the joint practices they had. So for me, I think Jair Brown could push, and it's crazy saying this, a third-round pick pushing for a starting safety role. Like, I think it's possible. I, I, I really do. I think we are looking at the 49ers starting safety, Jair Brown. I think this is the first moment his coming out party. I'm going to say it's coming out party. Brandon Ayuk. Should have put you on notice if you're a 49ers fan in the sense of you don't see B.A. shout people out. Like, he really doesn't. Like, nobody's, oh, yeah, that guy's good. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Same thing with Darrell Luther, right? Hey, how's how's Luther? Who's that? What number does he wear? Oh, 28. Oh, yeah, he's been cool. Like, that's normally how B.A. answers questions. Um, and the fact that their locker mates, it could be that like he's bumping up his locker mate, giving him some confidence. But he he sounded like like Brown was was a stud like he's doing his thing. Now you did mention the defensive line. I wanted to talk a little bit about this guy because we got to see him at the podium. Um, that was nice to see him. And his every time I see him, I love seeing um I love seeing Drake Jackson at the podium because I don't know if you guys there's he got that energy know. man. He got it's some good, energy to him. Good energy, but it's. It's the little, it's the little glasses for me, right? It gives me the E forty vibe, like you, you know what I'm talking E forty with the little glasses, bigger guys. I, to me, I love it. Like so, for me, slick sixty eight goes on and says media won't give Jay Brown credit. They'll twist it as trade bust. Sorry, I don't think that's the case. Um, no one knows who the interceptions are off of. At least I don't. Um, so I don't think that's the case. Uh, shout out to Mariah in the house. Um, appreciate you for tuning in. Raymond Martinez, Brown has an advantage that Huff should be able to take him under his wing and avoid taking the cheese. It's huge advantage that there's a safety with ball skills in Huff to bring him along the way. I think yes, but no, because when you watch Hufanga at USC, he's always taking the cheese. He's always been a guy that jump tries to jump routes or tries to do the extra go the uh, extra mile, um, which caused coverage busts Jair Brown not so much like he does he did jump routes in at, at in college but it was a smart route jumping it wasn't like him jumping these routes because it wasn't it wasn't careless I should say like it, he understood what was going on the concepts no one was behind him he can jump the route I should say like he understood that part um so I don't think it's good or bad that Huff's gonna, I think Huff will take him under his wing, but look who took Hufanga under their wing, Gibson. Gibson's not gonna be an, an one of those jerks or the veterans that's an asshole in the sense of he's legit gonna take care of him. Like that's who he is, um, as a person. So I think he should lean on whatever Gibson told Huff. Lean on yeah. that. 
No, definitely. And I mean, one thing Gibson said uh, that a lot of people don't necessarily remember, what's the reason he came back? He loved the youthful energy that Talano Ufanga bring. It gave him a different love for the game at his age 34 season when he was primarily pretty much out of the league, got a chance with the 49ers, and now after a really successful season is coming back because of a guy like Talano Ufanga. Jair Brown's the same. Going to bring that youthful energy. And you're right, Deshaun Gibson's he's he's a leader he's a leader in that room and he's going to be able to help both safeties continue to develop their games it's a it's a good spot for brown especially in a way uh in a role that he can look to develop in in year one and completely take off after that absolutely now we got drake jackson man um looks in better shape um looks slimmer in the gut area uh kind of weird saying that because i mean I'm kind of a hefty guy now. Put on some weight. Uh, so for me, first thing I noticed his rookie year was he came in. He's yeah, he's an athlete, super athlete. Dude can backflip, do all the crazy, run fast, get after it. But he looked, in my opinion, like a college athlete in the sense of D lineman. I should say, bigger in the sense of they're strong, but they're not physically fast and strong at the same time. And what I mean by that is when you get to the NFL level, you lose all your fat and turn that into muscle, but a fast muscle. You want it to be twitchy. You don't want to lose your weight and gain uh, weight the wrong way. And I think that's what he did. He, he's attacked his body the right way. Um, Stephanie said he's part of the, the three-plate club. He's benching 315, squatting 400s now. Um, he looks good. Um, he sounded energetic. Is he going to make a jump, Rohan? I mean, at the moment, it seems like the 49ers are confident that he will. And we, we like, you know, there have been a lot of stories about the 49ers. Front office or some coaches saying through the offseason, man, we've seen this guy working hard. We've seen this guy. You know, they've they've heaped praise and said that this, is, this and this and this is going to happen um, behind the scenes. And then when we come back into the season, we don't necessarily see that. This time, though, it happened. Steve Wilkes, John Lynch said, this guy's working. He's he's putting his work in the weight room back in January during the exit interviews and that they were excited that he was already in the building and things like that. It showed, man. He's up 13 pounds already in, uh, what is it, three months or so or four months. He's up 13 pounds. He's slimmer. He's He needed the muscle. And the big thing is the self-awareness. He himself said at the podium yesterday, yeah. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't ready for that end of the season kind of run. Pretty much, he was just saying it, it essentially wore him out, and that he needed he, his goal was he got to get bigger so that he could be uh, more endured for the entirety of the season next year. And the 49ers are going to place him in a big role at the moment. Now, do I think Jake Jackson's role on this team as a starter is solidified? No, the 49ers have cap space. I think they've got eight nine million in cap space. There's a significant amount of valuable edge rushers out on the market. What is this, though? It's essentially a tryout for Drake Jackson. You got the keys to the system. We don't need a single one of those guys until training camp. Those guys are ready to roll. We They're plug-and-play players. You got the keys to the system. You show us from now until training camp, throughout OTAs, throughout minicamp, show us with your progress both on and off the field that you are not only improved as a pass rusher but also as a run defender and with your endurance. If you can prove that, You've got a chance to be a starter. If not, 
we'll, we'll, we'll help you with your development. We'll put you in a more of a rotational role, allow you to do what you do best, and we've got the money to bring in somebody else. That's the way I view the situation, but I'm very positive about Drake Jackson. Love the draft pick when we had him. I gave him an A grade. Don't normally give too many A grades, but it was a second-round pick. Gave him an A grade. Thought he was a higher talent than where he should have gone. And right now, the number one thing was, remember, back at USC, a lot of weight fluctuation. A lot of issues with weight fluctuation. It was going to take a year for him to get to the mold that he wanted to be in the NFL. I think that right now, he's getting closer and closer. He said he's still looking to improve that weight. He's getting closer and closer. But... Yeah, it's a good tryout right now for Drake Jackson. But I, regardless of where whether he starts or not, still expect him to have a solid role on this 49ers team in 2022, or sorry, 23, given the edge depth that we currently have on the team. I 100% agree with you because seeing him at the podium, he looked in better shape. He sounded more energetic. Like he knows what he has to do year two. Um, now, the biggest question is does he put it all together, right? Because he had three sacks in like a five-game stretch where he looked really good and then he kind of just fell off. Like, And to me, I think the 49ers are, are putting a lot of trust in him. Um, and like you say, like going going from OTAs to training camp, um, if in training camp he doesn't look good, they could always sign a guy like Yannick Nagakwe. I'm like that. We've been saying they should sign. Um, but it also could be some of these veterans are like, you know what, I don't want to go to OTAs. I don't want to have – all this mandatory mini camps, mandatory this. Nah, I show up to OTAs when I'm when I'm ready. I'll be ready. Um, I do think the Niners need an additional edge rusher, um, whether that's Robert Bill who steps up as a rookie. Um, I did not really. I, I know Kevin's in here saying um, Austin Bryant who is on the team. Um, I'm not too big of a fan of Austin Bryant. Um, six foot five, two. 55 probably um his stats over his career they're not they're not impressive i mean he has four and a half sacks in four years i believe with the detroit lions um i think he's a camp body like i, I really do i don't think austin bryant makes his team at all um for those of you that are on either channel this is the perfect time i think we're on the 25 minute mark uh, make sure you go subscribe to both channels so what we talked about prior, so if you're just joining the show, the first 10 minutes was the quarterbacks, OTAs. We didn't really want to touch on the quarterbacks and stuff. We wanted to get into uh, Jair Brown, Drake Jackson. We're going to talk a little bit about more players, that expectations we have for them. Um, kind of give you guys a little bit different perspective. Like it, We don't want to talk quarterback every day. So today we're talking a little about some of the, the first-year players or second-year players, possibly a couple more players. Um, on, and how we feel their expectations should be for them moving forward. Um, so Drake Jackson, in my opinion, is a guy who could come in and solidify it. Like, he could come in and say, hey, this guy is balling out of control. Like, we cannot keep him off the field. Um, his extra added weight is, is impressive. Um, but I, I don't know. Because the way you, you draft Robert Bill, who is a speed rusher, they tell you he could just get out to the quarterback. Arik Armstead could kind of move outside because of the on base downs. You have Javon Hargrave inside. Base down isn't the greatest against the run. Uh, would probably benefit Hargrave if he was next to Armstead in the run and on rundowns. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see how they're going to use 
the D-line because they I could see a starting D-line of Eric Armstead outside, Javon Kinlaw or Kalia Davis um, next to Hargrave, and then Bosa or either switch those two interior guys. So it all depends on how they, they view the D-line because if Drake Jackson struggles against a run, I don't see him on the field starting. Like, I really don't. Like, you got to – you got to earn the respect of the rest of the D-line by stopping the run to get after the quarterback. It's very rare you see defensive linemen, get, defensive linemen or edge rushers get rewarded by just going yeah. after the quarterback. Like, they usually ask you to stop the run, at least part of the 49ers defensive line room. Um, and real quick on that, I like what you just pointed out to stop the run. I like this analogy on both sides of the ball. For receivers and tight ends, for the 49ers, the philosophy is in order to – the main goal is catching passes, but in order to catch passes, you're going to need to be able to block. Danny Gray pointed it out, and I think that's just been a huge part of their philosophy overall. With the defensive line, in order to see the field as a pass rusher, you're going to need to show some steps as a run defender because, I mean, when you're on the field as a pass rusher – as opposed to the offensive side where you know whether it's a pass or a run situation, you don't know whether it's a run or a pass situation. You're going when you're on the field as a pass rusher, you're still going to be needing to uh, to to do your role in run defense at some point. And so it's going to be important for uh, whoever it is, be it uh, Drake Jackson, be it even Robert Beal or a free agent signing, mm-hmm. to be able to showcase something in the run game as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Raymond, we weren't really trying to talk about the quarterback situation, much more. We'll, answer, we'll, we'll answer this question, though, because because you're always here watching us, man. Um, and your last name is just incredible, man. An incredible last name. Uh, was it the same story last OTAs? Uh, there was a lot of checkdowns, and then when minicamp came around, it opened up. Yes, because Kyle kind of implements his offense a certain way where everything is. And, like, if you go to his offensive playbook, a lot of people have it. Ask me. I'll send it to you. I don't mind. Um, but the way it works is – there they, he implements the shorter stuff, the smaller mm-hmm. stuff, and then he starts expanding his offense. Like he builds the base block and then gets, gets wider and wider. So it was kind of the case last year. Um, so it, it might be just the way Kyle likes to do things. Hey, we're, we're, we're working on the shorter immediate uh, intermediate stuff, but then yet we we're seeing bombs like a 40 yard bomb from Trey Lance, a 25 yard um pass from Sam Darnold. So I don't know what's going on, I'm not there. We're kind of just building up, building off of what a lot of the reporters are saying. Guys like Matt Mayoko, Ken Amen, uh, Grant, um, Matt Barrows, guys like those guys, man. It's, it's not necessarily we're um, looking at stuff like that. So for us, that's kind of what we're doing. Um, so that's where we're going to go. They think they're – Rohan, question is, they think they are keeping the cap space for a midseason move in case of injury. I don't know. That's something we could talk about another day because because it's more like a, a philosophy kind of thing what they're doing. I don't think they are. I think they're waiting to extend Bosa, and then they might look to extend another player or two. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, when, when you talk about cap space, there's a lot of things they could do. Right now, The like a lot of people question when they restructured McCaffrey because it freed up cap space at a time where they didn't necessarily need cap space, right? So right now they're sitting around $10 million. The Bosa extension – We'll see exactly how it goes. The big thing will obviously be the signing bonus. I'd assume his cap hit decreases just a little bit, but they have room to where if they want to front load it a little more to save themselves some space in the middle years, they have a little bit of room to do so. So you could do that. 
extend somebody, bring somebody in uh, if somebody gets injured in camp. A lot of options. I think injury could be a thing. Another thing, what did they do last year? Midseason move uh, for Christian McCaffrey. Could be saving some space for a midseason move. Something that te- uh, uh, people don't always realize with the midseason moves, there's a lot of times where a trade's being made where the team trading the player takes on a good amount of the salary and gets additional compensation back in return in draft capital. However, if you take on a portion of the salary, you don't have to give back as much in uh, in compensation. The reason, though, they do normally have to uh, give more compensation is because they don't have the cap space. 49ers would in this situation. So a lot of possibilities. Injury could be a thing, but my big thought process, if you're talking about an edge rusher that they could sign is, First of all, I think the edge rushers want multi-year deals right now. The 49ers are waiting it out to where they they essentially can get an incentive-based one-year deal. And also, they're not in a rush because anybody who can they who they get can plug and play immediately. These are veterans. These are guys who understand the system. They can be plug and play in training camp or even in the portion after training camp in the preseason. So there's 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 a good amount of time for them. I don't think there's any rush to necessarily spend and overspend at the moment when you could really get true value at the end of the offseason. So another guy I want to talk about, he's also there's a few guys I want to talk about actually, but this guy in particular, um he's been labeled a bust. Um, the fan base can't stand him. He's almost been one of the players that hasn't really seen the field. Um, Javon Kinwa, right? Every offseason we hear he looks great. He's in great shape. Um, what are your thoughts on Kinlaw there? They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Um, what are your thoughts? Like, what is he going to be someone that we can rely on? Should they cut him and that's probably like a big cap hit where do they trade him what do they do with javon kinlaw is he a productive player for the 49ers this year rohan man this is a good question because like you said odds are always against kinlaw with the injuries that he's faced and i'm going to be hesitant to say that he's going to be a productive player this year but i don't always i don't necessarily think it's only about kinlaw do I think he's in good shape? Do I believe those rumors? Yes. I think Kinlaw, uh, I'm not surprised that he's ha- having a good offseason. Remember, another part about Javon Kinlaw, it's what his fourth season that he's going into, still hasn't really had many productive offseasons. He's been dealing with injury after injury. Not many offseasons where he's really gotten into the entirety uh, or he's really gotten into the full offseason by himself. First offseason was the COVID year. Then obviously the last two dealing with injuries. And now this is his first true, true offseason. And so I wonder how it goes and really hoping to get into one-on-ones later in the offseason. But for me, for Kinlaw, the reason that I find it a little harder for him to be productive in uh, comparison to years past, that defensive line room, defensive tackle room specifically, has got a good amount of bodies. It's deep. And when you talk about the players, I think you can make an argument for several of those players to have prominent roles for the 49ers in 2022. Remember, the big signing, Javon Hargrave, is there. That's a three-down player. The 49ers are comfortable playing him on three downs. They're comfortable playing Ark Armstead on three downs. But then in the rotation as well, where snaps are going to be limited compared to uh, last year because it's not necessarily going to be as big of a rotation with the three-down players, you have T.Y. McGill, a guy who uh, shined last year. You still have Kevin Givens, a guy who 
can be a starter on other teams at the defensive tackle position. You've got the big riser in Kalia Davis, who you and me have been very, very hyped about since he got drafted by the 49ers. And I can expect – People don't mention him, but thank you, Rohan, for mentioning Kalia Davis. Most people forget to mention him, but he's pretty much a draft pick this year because I'm glad you mentioned him because that was one of the guys that I wanted to talk about literally right after Javon Kinlaw. Thank you. And I'll go even one step further. I think that the 49ers could experiment if Ark Armstead kicks outside. The guy that they put in the middle is Kalia Davis, opposite of Javon Hargrave. I think that that is a possibility because you've got explosiveness in Davis and a big body in Hargrave. Would not be surprised if they go with that alignment at some point this season. But I just named three guys in McGill and uh, uh, Javon, sorry, in McGill and uh, Kalia Davis, and then also in Kevin Givens. That's three backup defensive tackles. You, that's So that's already five on the roster with Hargrave and Armstead. Javon Kinlaw right now would be the sixth. And the 49ers are prone. They, they've carried a good amount of defensive linemen. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kinlaw made the team. But he's competing along the likes of a guy like Kerry Hyder, who I'm not necessarily the highest on, but he's a veteran. He's a guy who uh, commands respect in that locker room and commands respect with Chris Kosarek. And another thing, versatile, which is something you might need with this team where there aren't as many edge rushers as there are defensive tackles. And so, you know, you're competing with guys like uh, Kerry Hyder and uh, other people in that room. And so it's tough to see. I, I'm not going to say that he won't make the 53-man roster. If I were to play to bet right now, I think he'd be that sixth defensive lineman. But as for a role and how big of an impact he makes in 2023, I don't necessarily know just because it's such a crowded room. And that's for Javon Kinlaw, right? Not Kalia Davis. Just to Yeah, yeah Javon Kinlaw. So – I think from what I've heard and, and has been mentioned plenty of times um, over the past couple of months, they say they finally figured out what Javon Kinlaw's knee was. It was his ACL or something like that. Like it was, it was, wasn't his meniscus and like the knee tendonitis that they were, he was dealing with. It was actually an ACL injury um, that he, he didn't fix. From what I've heard, been fixed. I want to confirm it. I've been asking a couple of players um, if that was the case. But later on, we don't talk about it. I asked a coach. won't talk about it. So I'm trying to get a hold of Javon Kinlaw. Um, I talked to him before. Try to get a hold of him. Hopefully, he could he could clear things up with me. Um, but if that's the case, if he's fully healthy, I think he'll be productive. And I'm not saying productive like, oh, he's going to get seven sacks. No, like, I think he'd be a good run, run defender. I think he gets you three or four sacks. Um, I think he's one of the better defensive linemen on the 49ers when fully healthy. Um, I think he's better than McGill, fully healthy. I think he provides more than um, Kevin Givens, fully healthy. Um, now, for me... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What I want to see is just get on the field, man. Go have fun. Um, he's he's battled injury after injury after injury. Go have fun. Um, literally, that's all I want. I want to see him get on the field, have fun in, in training camp. Um, push for a spot in the rotation. Um, because if the Fort Anderson decide to cut him, they're not. They won't. They won't lose out on much. Yeah. They lose out on a five million dead cap this year. Um, if they decide to trade him, they take a two million dead cap, and I believe the team that picks him up would take on a two million salary. Uh, right? salary. Yeah. So he's tradable, he's cuttable, but I wouldn't want to see a guy of his caliber get traded the year he picks up. Like right, like it will just suck. Like I hope he's doing well. I just don't know how much the 49ers could um, look to continue seeing him on their roster year in, year out, where it's constant injuries. Um now they've had I mean, this that's a good point, right? I didn't I, I didn't hear the uh the that they found out the injury part yet mm-hmm. because people do forget what kind of player Javon Kinlock can be. I've been I wasn't high on the draft pick. I'll be totally honest. Wasn't high on the draft pick. Thought they should have gone in a different direction in, in multiple different directions. But if you talk about potential, bar like taking away all the injury flags, which was a huge reason um, about the draft analysis. I mean, Kitlaw's potential is pretty damn high. Uh, it's just the injuries have really, really, uh, really lowered that potential. Understanding that his explosiveness might not be to the level it could have been in the, uh, in the past, but if the injury problem is solved, we're getting a fresh Kitlaw in a you know. In an offseason where he's really getting his first true offseason in the NFL. Yeah, so for from what I had heard, it was ACL. So I, mean, I don't know what. Because he had the reconstruction last year, right? So maybe something. Yeah, yeah, so, but like the reconstruction, what it didn't fully heal or whatever the case may be. Um, I have to go. I have to go find out where it was or what I, when I was talking to my guy. And pretty much what he said is like the ACL injury that they reconstructed. Um, like a year ago or two years, it didn't fully heal. They had to, he had to go back in and get stuff cleaned up. Um, from what I heard, doing really well, having a good off season. So hopefully he de- provides the quality depth the Portlanders need along the defensive line because that would be a huge boost when he's fully healthy. 
he's very he's been impactful. Like there's plays where he's caused interceptions. Like there's no question about it. Like he's been one of the guys where it kind of sucks because Arik Armstead is similar. Um, a guy who's battled injury, battle injury, but when they're fully healthy and they're on the field, they're productive. Um, now the Niners have I don't know what it is about the Niners, but they have players on their roster up and down where they constantly are injured. Kalia Davis, they drafted him. Um, probably would have gone higher than I believe he got drafted in the sixth round, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Probably would have gone in the fourth or early fifth had it been for that torn ECL. Now, when we drafted him, I said that dude's like a wrecking ball. Literally a wrecking ball. Short guy, stocky, very fast, very athletic. Was a former linebacker, I believe. Converted to a, a defensive tackle, nose tackle position. Um, I'm excited about this because he could two-gap. He could slant, do whatever you need him to do in the run game. Um, now, what people don't realize is he's actually solid after getting the quarterback. Like, reminds me of DJ Jones a bit, but with a little more pass rush moves. So, if he could come in, I think he could be a very good – I think he could take Kevin Givens' spot. Because Kevin Givens in the run game last year, that, that guy was getting, he was getting tossed off the club on a regular, like – he was not able to. He was not able to anchor last year for some reason. Um, that was a big issue for the 49ers in the run game until they started getting healthy, getting guys like Armstead back and stuff like that. They struggled in the run game. Um, what are your thoughts on Kalia Davis going into training camp? Now we haven't heard much from any defensive linemen in OTAs, any offensive linemen in OTAs outside of how they look because they cannot put hands on each other yet. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on Kalia Davis, Ron? I mean, I've been high on Khalil Davis, and I like the point you bring out about Kevin Gibbons, right? Right now, what do the 49ers need? They've got pass rush. They've got pass rush. Tons of pass rush. What they want is a little more uh, stability in the run defense, and that's where I wouldn't be surprised if you know you, you, you let our, our Hargrave take a, a little bit of rest on some uh, run defending downs. Throw out a guy like Khalil Davis out there. Kevin Gibbons, if you look at his body type, he's a – undersized defensive tackle, but he's athletic and he's a solid pass rusher. That's why he's carved out a good role on this team and has been very productive for the 49ers in years past. Kalia Davis has explosiveness, but he's also got the pure strength needed. And I think he could be a capable run defender for the 49ers. And that, that I think that's where his role comes from. We'll see how he develops as a pass rusher, but if he could just be a solid run defender for the 49ers, he'll find a role for the 49ers on this team. And I'm, I'm excited about him. I, I had him graded as a fourth-round pick, like third, fourth-round pick-ish in the twenty what 2022 draft. I was a little higher on him, obviously, prior to the ACL. And like the conversion, I mean, the, the linebacker to defense tackle conversion, he's got good bend. He's got good explosiveness. He's got explosiveness and bend as a linebacker, but he's got the, uh, the, the, the attributes of defensive tackle. Think that's a really intriguing profile and 49ers they develop defensive linemen as well as any other team in the nfl pretty 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 uh confident that he'll have a solid role for this team in the future so for kinlaw okay so december 20th kinlaw ex he left the dallas game with the knee injury missed the finals two two games of the season uh he had a cleanup on his knee in 20 in january in 2021 Kinlaw then missed week one of the 2021 season, but played weeks two to five. And then in October of 2021 season, 
Kinlaw underwent a successful ACL reconstruction. Right, he missed the rest of the 2021 season. He played five five games or four games, had an ACL surgery, reconstructed his ACL. Kinlaw played in three games that uh, last season in 2022, the first three games of the season. Following week three loss to Denver, Kinlaw was held out and played yeah. put on the IR with a grade two ACL sprain. Mm, okay. Now, he was saying, like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. It's just my knee's making fluid from it. They, they went in, did a procedure on him. Uh, December of that same year, 2022, uh, he came back from the injured reserve to play in the final six uh, games of the season. Now, Dr. Um, Pandya, uh, he's uh, on Twitter, uh, UCSF Department of uh, Orthopedic Surgeon, um, pretty much went on to say, like, some issue with ACLs. Sometimes it takes 18 months. Sometimes it takes nine or 12 months. He goes, um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's what it was. Now, he's finally, pretty much they finally figured out what it was. It was the ACL reconstruction. Didn't, it wasn't good. It, it won't mean, I shouldn't say it wasn't good, but it was an issue. They went back in, cleaned it back up. He was out 12 weeks, which is 12 weeks is four months, right? Mm-hmm. After you got 12, four months, which is around the timeline of when you get a knee cleaned up. It wasn't a full reconstruction, but a knee cleaned up. So, if it's fully back to what it is supposed to be, I have high hopes for him. I think he could be an impact player, but I'm not going to put him like, oh, he's going to be six acts. I'm not, I won't put, I'm not confident putting numbers on him, right? Now, we just talked about Khalil Davis. Is there any players you want? I've been talking about players. Yeah, I mean, I, you brought him up briefly. Want to talk about cornerbacks, right? Isaiah Oliver is a guy who, in my opinion, right now, I think he's just got the stranglehold on the corner job uh, in terms of the nickel. Wilkes talked about it. He said, We wanted the best nickel on the market after Jimmy Ward left. That's who they got in Isaiah Oliver. Pretty high praise for a guy. And Wilkes has coached against him for a while now in the same division in the NFC South when he was with Carolina. But I want to talk about the backups. We've got Darrell Luter. Guy you and I were high on. I know you were really high on early on in the mm-hmm. process. We've got Womack, two guys that have versatility, uh, or two guys that can play that corner position. Luter more in the boundary, Womack inside outside. Then we've got Ambry Thomas. 49ers carried five corners last year. Do you think they carry five again? And if so, how make or break is this offseason for Ambry Thomas? I'll be straight up, man. I don't think Amy Thomas makes this roster. You got to go. I'm sorry, bro. You got to go. Isaiah Oliver, Amy Thomas, Tarverius Ward, Samuel Womack, Denomino Lenore. And Luter. The reason why, and the reason why Amy don't make the roster, not that I don't think he could. I think he could play. I really do. Um, because if you look at Isaiah Oliver, realistically, he could play inside and out. Correct. Luther, he could play inside and out. Correct. Womack, inside and out. Demo, both inside and out. So there's so much versatility. There's one, two, that's three three guys that can play in and out. 
All right. So realistically, do you really need six? Like, do you need that six? No, I don't think so. And I think the odd man out is Avery Thomas unless he does something in training camp where he unseats Darrell Luther or Samuel Womack. I don't know. I mean, I was high. Everyone liked Samuel Womack. Right? So I thought he was supposed yeah. to be a starter until injuries happened and then Jimmy Ward moved into the slot and stuff like that. Like Until stuff happened, he was our starting nickel. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a chance that Ambry beats out Darrell Luther, but I don't think that I don't think he makes his roster. And I was high on I was high on Avery Thomas's rookie year. Um I thought he was good. I thought he had a good rookie year for and I know he and the people were gonna go, Oh, he got burnt. He gave up this. Man, when you're in position as a young rookie, that's all you really ask for. Like you're in position, now make a play. But it's year after year after year where he hasn't improved on making a play on the ball. I think he is the odd man out. He gets cut. I don't see him on the roster. Really, I really don't. Um, I was wrong. I'm the first to admit when I'm wrong. Um, the Niners also have, I believe, uh, Quantrest Knight. Yeah. Categorize him more as a safety now, but, yeah, but he, he's another guy who could be versatile. He could be like that Jimmy Ward style, though, where he could be a safety, but he could also right. move him into, the, into that nickel role. Um so it's realistically, I odd man out seems like it's Ambry, man, and and he'll probably pick up somewhere that's on a bad team. Might try to run for a starting spot, but good lord, man, the Niners have missed on a lot of third round picks, have they? Yeah, man. Yeah, and uh, it's tough because there's a kicker now that you draft in the third round. That's, um, you know, it's prehistoric. Like, you haven't done this. No team has done this since uh, 2016 when they drafted Robert Aguayo. Everybody knows how Robert Aguayo turned out. He's elite, man. So, dude, he's the best kicker in the NFL right now. Oh, I I thought you were about to say CFL. I'm not exactly sure where. I don't know where he is. Yeah. He's one of the best in college. Florida State legend, though. Florida State legend. That's what I'll say. Um, because I think he 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 made some huge kick there too, but no. Talking about the corners though, um, I mean you bring up a good point, right? You've got five guys that I think should make the roster. The biggest thing to me now is special teams. Womack was a good special teamer last year. I think he, he retains that role. Um, I don't think any of the starting three play special teams too much. I'm not. I didn't read up on all of his well, special teams. I know last. I know one of the biggest issues with Jimmy Ward was he was frustrated. At times, because starters were playing special teams, like Correct. he was playing. Special he, injured, teams. he broke his hand playing on special teams. So, like, yeah. I know there's there was been frustration with starters playing special teams, but the thing is, is when you only have 48 men active on the roster, they're gonna have some starters are gonna have to play special teams because some guys can't play special. Like, some guys don't know well, the angle; they can't do it. So, realistically, like if we're being honest on on special teams, starters that should. Should be on special teams, guys like Isaiah, uh, not Isaiah Oliver. Oliver. I mean, Oliver could. I'm looking at him right now. He's he. Uh, the last two seasons, he played 40 percent of the special team snaps in 2021. Small sample size. He only played four games. Played 25 percent last year. Played 77 special team snaps. So it could be he could be kickoff duty or punt return duty or something like but that. Like, guys, guys that I could see playing special teams right now: Samuel Womack. Isaiah Oliver, I kind of Darrell Luther. If he makes the roster, I think he's he could play special team. Robert Beal, um, the rookie. Um, I think 
Oren Burks, one of the other linebackers, whether it's Marciano Ball, whoever that is, six right there. A couple receivers that we're gonna have to play. You always play special teams, yeah. Um, you're gonna have a your fourth running back or your third running back being playing special teams. Your kicker. That's nine I mean, players right about there. The linemen too. They're going to be five linemen on the field anytime. It's special. I mean, unless we're talking kickoff. Yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking kickoff. I'm talking kickoff and and, and um uh return. Like, uh huh. Even then, like you put some. Like I don't know, man. Like it's it gets interesting and dicey because you don't want guys like Talano Hufanga, but he'll still play special teams. Correct. Yeah. George Odom is he going to make he'll the play special teams? He'll play special teams. But is he going to make the roster? Oh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Safeties. That'll be your last topic of the day because I was going to bring up uh, Taylor Hawkins and some of the other guys. Let's uh, let's talk about safeties because my, my question earlier, two-parter, we talked about corners. If you carry six corners, you carry four safeties. If you carry five corners like the 49ers did on their 53 last year, you carry five safeties. Seems like we, we like that five-corner combo where it's – the three starters in Ward, Lenore, Tom, uh, not Thomas, sorry, uh, Oliver, and then you've got the two backups in Womack and Darrell Luter. You've got five corners there. Got room for five safeties, probably. What are you thinking? I don't think Oda makes the roster. Um, now, if you cut him, you take a, a one million dead cap this year, a one million dead cap in twenty twenty four. You save like eight hundred million this year, right? So it's not much. You really don't lose much, or or on either years. But okay, you got Tashawn Gibson, who I think makes the roster as that veteran presence in the safety room. You have Talano Hufanga, who's guaranteed to make the roster. Uh, Jair Brown, who I think is guaranteed to make the roster. That's yeah. three safeties right there, right? I'm interested. What do you say? Because I'll just say straight up. I think I'm going to disagree with you here, but I'm interested to hear what you say because I know you've got some very interesting takes on the safety room. So when you look at the safety room, George Odom isn't that good as a safety. Special teamer? Pro Bowl special teamer, right? Like he's a, he's a Pro Bowl special teamer. But I think a guy like Miles Hartsfield coming from Carolina – Understands what Steve Wilkes likes, Taylor Hawkins. You also have guys like you. You categorize Quantra's Knight as a safety. Um, I think those guys could could take over on George Odo's spot as the safety. The I should safety net safety like the last resort safety. Um, special teamer. Now, would it suck? Yes, but you're getting younger at safety with a guy like Taylor Hawkins or Quantra's Knight. Or even if you think or even if you want to go Miles Hartsfield, he at least knows what Steve Wilkes likes. He could coach that up a little bit. He understands what he likes. He could spell he could play special teams. Um so for me, I don't think George Oda makes the roster. I think one of the younger guys. The Niners love to Use their practice squad as a redshirt year. They made sure they kept Taylor Hawkins and Quantra's Knight. Like they did not want to lose those guys. Yeah. 
think one of those guys replaces him. One of those three. I think that's a fair take. Here's what I'll say. I think there are three guarantees, right? You talk about Hufanga, you talk about Gibson, you talk about Jagger Brown. I said I think there there will be five safety spots right now open. You got four guys competing for two spots: George Oden, Miles Hartsfield, the two young guys, and Quantrez Knight, Taylor Hawkins. Now this is an intriguing part. When you talk about Miles Hartsfield, I think he's versatile. Um, I think he played a bit in the box, a little bit, played a little bit of nickel. He can play safety. Started 10 games for Carolina, two last year. Has experience on special teams. Played his entire rookie year on special teams. Had 150 snaps or so on special teams this past year. So he's got he's got experience. Taylor Hawkins, Quantrez Knight, a little bit different uh, in, in their safety builds. Hawkins a little bigger. Knight more of that nickel safety hybrid. Struggled a little bit at, at nickel last year. Moved him in the safety room. He's a little bit of a better uh, presence there. You said it, though. They like to keep both of them. But I can't envision both making the roster. I, I I do think that, especially with the deal they signed with Odom, even with the guys that they brought in, they envisioned it, in my opinion, as a two-year deal. And I also think that when you have three solidified safeties in that room that you believe are going to be important, I think you've got insurance. I think you've got insurance for if one of the guys gets injured, you've got another guy that you believe can step in and play. And so to me, I think there's going to be a value on special teams. The 49ers made a value on special teams last year when they signed Oren Burks, when they signed George Odom. And I think they want to continue that. I, I think they're valuing that side, that, that, that portion of the game a little more. And I think they can afford to as well. So you but, think they keep so last year they kept four safeties. So you think you think this year I counted keep- Jimmy Ward as a safety when he started. So that's where the five came from. Oh, so you did count Jimmy Ward as a safety. Yeah. But then who'd you – so they had – in my opinion, they only had four, though, because they had uh, their initial they had 53. Tarverius more on the 53 as well. It was yeah, so they Gibson, had Tarverius. It was they Gibson, had... Hufanga, Moore, uh, Ward, and uh, – Well, Gibson didn't – Gibson didn't make the initial 53. I'm. Oh, I, I thought he did. No, I, I don't – I thought he did. Oh, I wait. Think he did. I there, think he was... was like some guy that they, they, they put on the IR and never played, right? Oh yeah, that yeah. I believe I believe they it was a corner or something. Yeah, yeah. So with with uh, Tashawn Gibson, I think he was that guy that was well, he, he oh, was given the Johnson Johnson Ward, treatment. Yeah, yeah. He came in when Ward was initially put on IR. But regardless, at the at right now, I think it's I think they just with their quarterback depth, I think it's five and five that they'll end up doing, especially because some of those safety guys are versatile and you can play some of those guys as a big nickel or something like that. But right now, I think, yeah, I think they keep Odom. And then Hartsfield, Hawkins, and Knight compete for that final spot. I think, okay. yeah, that's that's the that's the way I look at it right now. Because I think they can't afford to keep one of those guys again on the practice squad for another year. I think you'll make it they'll make it back on the practice squad, um, understanding the like you develop them for another year, and then they take over for Odom a year after. I mean, I could I could definitely see that. But the only thing is, for me, it's do you do you value special teams more than a backup safety? Yeah, that's because, that's the big question. That's because, like question. for me, I don't think they keep five. I think they keep four in the sense of of they could use they could eventually sign someone off to, off someone's practice squad or whatever to be that fifth safety. Um, so what I'm looking at is like, okay. 
on the initial 53, do they are they going to value safety more than special teams? And when they have guys like George Odom, he's just he's a special teamer. He's not a safety. Like realistically, I, I do like, agree he's not a good safety. He, he struggled in special. He struggled in safety play last year. You saw it in the Falcons game. I agree. So for me, I'm going to value safety play a little bit more, and I think Taylor Hawkins would be the traditional free safety, deep safety. Um, that the 49ers could use as that fourth guy because obviously you're going to have – if Gibson or Tano Ufanga go down by chance and they're the starters, first guy up is Jair Brown. Like you drafted him in the third round to do to be the next guy up, right? Like so for me, it all just becomes what do you prefer more. And I think you're going more so on the side of you can't lose a special teamer like him. But I don't think Oren Bur- – I think Oren Burks makes the roster because they're, they just lost um, – Aziz Alshair, so he's going to be that core special team ace. Um, last year they had um, one of the running backs. I want to say it was Mason playing special teams. Samuel Womack looked like a really good special teamer. So it's one of those – it's a tough situation. But I get what you're saying in the sense of you're going to – as a team, you're going to value special teams because of how they went all in on special teams last year and their special teams went up. But the reason why their special teams went up wasn't the special teams players. It was their punter. That was the best year Wojnowski's ever had. So, like, give or take, I don't know. I don't know because now that I – I do think there's a reason to keep Odom special teams. I think special teams is very important. But I think we're both on the page where you're you're leaning towards special teams. I'm like, I want to force safety just in case because Gibson's a little bit older, and then you have a guy who coming into his first year may struggle, may not struggle. I don't know. I think he's going to be a good player right away. Um, we may not even need that fourth guy, so it might, you, you might be right. And, yeah, I mean, like the, the main reasoning behind mine, I can totally understand yours. The main reasoning behind my take is I think that when you talk about backup safety level play, I think you've got it. You've got it because you dropped you you spent that third rounder on him, which is why I think you can afford. You'll have essentially in my plan with you have five safeties. You'll have two backup safeties in Brown or whoever, and the the fourth guy in Hawkins, and then you'll have a pure special teamer. But because you have such a big trust in the top three, I think you can afford to use the spot to fully solidify that special team spot because I think that's the best value you can get out of that spot. I don't think. With the three safety sets, with the two safety sets, I think you have enough insurance at safety to where you can afford to utilize one spot at special teams and solidify that more. I, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I think that's a great way to end the show, talking uh, safeties and, and George Odom potentially making the roster and not making the roster. I think getting a little in-depth on roster talk. We talked about if, you, if you've been here, just getting here, we talked – First 10 minutes with quarterback talk. Don't really want to talk about that. And then we started talking about Brandon Ayuk. We didn't talk about Brandon Ayuk. You want to do it? Or yes. you want to save it to the next we one? We have to. No, we have like we let's do it. Um BA, bro. It, this is a this is a reason why the thumbnail is what it is. Um that's the first time I've ever heard Brandon Ayuk come in with a swag. Of I don't care. This is all business. Like, 
he literally was like, every question I felt like was him just be like, I don't care. I'm good. I know I'm good. Thousand yards? That was nothing last year. Watch what I do this year. What do you take from what he was saying? And, and, and like, what are your thoughts from his press conference? He all demon time, man. Like, he, 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 he. I agree. I think this year changed him in a way. This is, this is business brand Ayuk now. That, like, this is his money. Like, years in the years past, you know, we've heard a little bit about the frustrations, obviously. He, him not being getting as many deep targets and things like that. But then he broke out last year. But now you're playing with his money. He, he about to go get a bag after this offseason. And he understands it. And it's it's all business. It's all it's – all, it, it ain't funny games no more. But I think there's also a little bit more – I like this – like – People might take this level of swagger as he he cocky. isn't being a cocky. He isn't yeah. being a leader. I honestly think he's assuming a bigger leader role. When you hear him talk about his other players, when you hear him just uh, just the oh, way, yeah. he talks, I think he's more confident. I think he's a little like we 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 thought Brandon Ayuk was a little more reserved. You know, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is a little more of the cockier type. And I, by the way, when we say cocky, that is not at all in a bad way. You need a level of swagger to play some positions in football and play the yeah. level of physicality that the 49ers play in. So I, I thought it was a cool development, you know? Been a Brandon Ayuk guy. That, that, that's, that's a guy who I believe is a, a an underrated talent on the 49ers and I think is going to be their guy for the future. And, I mean, this is the first step to doing it. For me, what the question that I, when, when he answered – is when I don't know who it was, they asked, "How do you feel about being the fourth option on a run first team?" Mm-hmm. And he looked like, "I'm gonna get mine. Like, it's cool. I'm gonna get paid. I'm gonna get mine." Yeah. Like, and then that's where it led to, where it led to the, they asked, "Oh, something about something." He goes, "I'm about to take off." Yeah, and they're like, "What? You didn't think a thousand yard season was you taking off?" He goes, "Like that's just me touching the surface." Like that was the first time I've heard Brandon Ayuk speak like a true number one receiver. Now we've seen him play like it, but he's always been like the more reserved, quiet. Like I'm gonna do me, but that's the first time I've heard him go to the podium and say, "I am him." Like, literally, that's what he said. Like, at the end of the day, that's literally what he said. Like, I'm him. You can't stop me. After his probably his best performance in front of the media in practice since OTA started, you're not going to stop me, right? Now, he is the fourth option on a run-first team, and I think he should not be the fourth. He should probably be the second or third ahead of Debo in the past game. Right there with Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle. It should be, those should be your three guys leading the attack. What are your expectations for Brandon Ayuk going into his fourth, uh, yeah, fourth year? Got to be 1,000. Got to be at least 1,000 yards for sure. I think he gets a second 1,000-yard season. But I also think it's quarterback dependent a little bit. I mean, I don't want to say it. I don't. You're going to say You don't want to say it, but you're going to say it. You got to say it. I, I do think his, his play is quarterback dependent a little bit. Like – Brandon Ayuk has a certain style, and that style fits very well with the 49ers. He's a guy who will thrive off yak, 
but he's also the one deep threat really on this team that you can respect. What do I mean by that? He's a guy who matches the fluidity of his route running with the speed that he has to be able to be a deep threat in the NFL. Now, the biggest, to me, the number one difference between Brandon Ayuk and a top number one receiver is the consistent catches. And it's not necessarily the, like going up and getting the ball. It's the locate locating some balls, you know, having some of these concentration drops. And it's not that you expect him to catch every single one of these balls, but there are a couple of these tough, tough catches that Brandon Ayuk wasn't able to corral in last year. But I think he's got the entire package. But I've got to say, I've got to talk about the quarterbacks because Brandon Ayuk, like I said, he's a guy who operates well with the deep ball. And there's one quarterback right now on the roster who I believe can consistently throw that deep ball, and that's Trey Lance. Brock Purdy, I mean, I'm not going to say that he can't. Again, I don't even think Jimmy Garoppolo, I can say that he couldn't throw the deep ball. That's not the issue. It's can you consistently do it and can you do it? in the can you do it in the progression of the offense because to be able to do it you need to not only have the requisite arm strength you've got to hit the read immediately um and when you have lower arm strength you're more hesitant to throw that ball understanding how long in terms of airtime it'll take to reach your location and things like that then i mean we've seen some examples of that as well now am i saying trey lance is accurate in throwing that deep ball we've got to see that we've we definitely got to see that and that's why i'm thinking it's quarterback dependent because we don't know what Lance is right now. As much as we'd love to talk about his potential, we don't know what Lance is right now in a 17-game season sample. But we've also seen Brock Purdy, and we've seen how Brandon Ayuk can be sometimes limited with Brock Purdy. I still think regardless of quarterback, he gets 1,000 yards, but I think the extent at which he passes 1,000 yards depend on which quarterback is at that. I mean, and it's sad but true what you just said, right? Like, it's not you hating. People are going to be like, oh, he's a, tra- a, a purdy hater. Like, people immediately assume, right? Like, hater or this, this, and that. You're stand for this guy, stand for that guy. And it's not even that. It's really just looking at Brandon Ayuk and how he likes to, to run routes and do stuff. I think either quarterback he's playing under, I think he's going to hit the 1300 mark. Um, and the thing is, and the reason why I'm going to say this is not because I think Brock Purdy is going to be able to hit him on more deep routes or Trey Lance is going to unload and feed him. I think it's because of how good of a route runner he is. Um, he's always open. Like, he realistically, he is always open. His catch radius is, is ridiculous. Um, he gets the yards after the catch better than, in my opinion, most players on the Niners. Um I think he's the second best yards after the catch um, because he's so shifty and he could he's fast, gains ground really, really fast. Um, now, if I'm Brandon Ayuk, I'm hoping Kyle feeds me this year, man. Like, let's not play this politics where you try to keep me under 1,000 yards or you try to keep me barely at 1,000. Like, feed me, man. Like realistically, like, we don't. I don't like seeing because there's teams that do that. Like, hey, uh, he's close to hitting an incentive. Uh, don't play him today. Don't play him for the rest of the fourth quarter, last game of this. You know what I mean? Like, you see stuff like that, and I don't want that to happen for Brandon Ayuk um, because he could hit 1,300 yards easily. Um, what I saw yesterday was a different Brandon Ayuk, man. That's the Brandon Ayuk 
that Kyle Shanahan wanted his rookie year when he put him in the doghouse. Kyle, you finally got the guy you wanted, the route runner, the receiver you wanted. You have a 13 to 1,400-yard receiver waiting here. Use him. Use him. Because everyone knows how good Brandon Ayuk is, but every year he doesn't do what he's supposed to do because he's the fourth option on your team. Make it and yeah, that's that. Like that's that. That's the part where the 49ers need to balance because we do talk about quarterback. And the last thing I'll say is, if it's Trey Lance, I do think the 49ers run the ball more than they did last year. And I'm not saying run the ball with Trey Lance more, but I think they utilize the advantage they have with 11 on 11. And so when you have that that part of the equation, with obviously that works to Lance's skill set. But also the necessity to get the ball to your skill position players, another balance you've got to do there while also making sure guys like IU get his. And I think 1,300 yards is around like 75 yards a game. That's very doable for BA. Because there's one game, there's going to be a game where he has 40, there's going to be a game where he has 150 or 130, whatever. Like it'll balance out whatever quarterback he's playing with. They, they just got to feed him. At the end of the day, he's got to feed him. Like, because there's times where he goes games where it's like, hey, where's Brandon Ayuk at? Oh, that was a great run block, Brandon. Like, that's not, he blocks for you all game, man. Feed him too. Um, but I think it's a great spot to end off. We I did want to talk a little bit about Brandon Ayuk real quick um, because of his demeanor um, at the podium, but it led into Jair Brown, um, five interceptions, four interceptions, whatever. That kid's going crazy. So it led into that. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure you guys are subscribed to both channels, Rohan's personal channel, the Clutch Gene Sports channel. Make sure you guys are uh, following Rohan at Rohan Chakrov. You guys are following me at Marco underscore Mark 1205 on Twitter. Um, anything else you got, Rohan, that you like to plug? Nah, man, it's been a, it's been a fun show. We'll be back soon with some more content. OTAs is going. Football's back. It's the best time of the year. And, I mean, we're going to keep you guys updated until then. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Y'all have a blessed day. See you guys on the next one. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.